0: and if people didn't smoke there would be no employment for the youth of today
1: so once again no smoking in this theater mm. things can never get anyway yeah the the jack off pants i'm going oh,
0: to fuck i it. thought that was the i thought the that jobs. was the countdown And it was actually count
1: up, which means
0: I have been talking for two seconds when the episode started. Are they pants that
2: make it really easy for you to
1: jack off while wearing them, or are they pants that jack you off? It's
0: Uh, the, the former.
1: It is the former. It is pants with like a bespoke Easy fly. Hole. in well, the Well, I'm middle not of interested in
2: that. I want I want pants that jack me off yeah. automatically, automation or nothing. Yeah, manual. Right. Effort,
1: why would I, that's that's no. still 100 effort much like on my part. this? I don't think this
0: fits the tone of the film we're talking about. <laughs> no, I kind of think it does actually. <laughs> I don't of like course. the idea of this just like assaulting people when they. <laughs> well,
2: imagine I'm eating a raw egg while I'm jacking myself off with my jack off pants. Then this it suits becomes,
1: quite well. Yeah. Uh, it's also not for yeah. assaulting people. It's about uh, doing it in the comfort and privacy of um well, I'm not interested
2: in, uh, in assaulting anyone. <laughs> I jack off in the privacy of my own home. Thank you. <laughs>
1: like any good God-fearing American. Just like man. any
2: god American. <laughs> Can you edit this
0: entire thing? Uh,
1: no, I Just can't. Just cut it all out. Because yeah, we're okay. straight to tape here on Try Love, literal roundtable podcast about movies we saw, people we met, people we met. I'm not even deep into this cider yet at uh, the Trilon in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon.org and at Trilon Cinema across all social media that I know of. Check them out on Letterboxd. They log movies that they're playing and uh, with a quick link to Parasphere Pieces. That's the other thing I want to name drop. Parasphere.org is where you can find writing about movies that play at the Trilon and ancillary programming. Uh, former guest Finn Odin is uh, the senior editor there and uh, they pump out a lot of great stuff about each movie. Um, check them out at Parasphere.org, Trilon.org and Trilon <laughs> Thank- Cinema. It's-
2: they really, they, pump really those puppies out. They're really
1: pumping those puppies out. What uh, a they, they've got the delightful pants on. verb for that. Thank you, Jason. Pumping out the crits. Uh, check them out. Check us out. Check me out. I'm Jason Daphnis. Uh, if you make noise in a quiet theater, I will kill you. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Harry Mackin.
2: Maybe I'm just a cold-hearted man, but you can find me on Twitter at Punish Take. My name is Aaron.
0: Fuck, it didn't do it. God damn it. I wanted a slurping sound for my quote, but the I drink it I'm having is not slurping. I, it didn't. I heard a slurping.
2: Oh, yeah. What, you what, what you drink do you have, have it, like, by the way?
0: This is a hot buttered rum, which doesn't ooh, have the consistency. You <sighs> I'm so I'm having some Japanese work.
2: plum whiskey. This is uh, appropriate, I think. Maybe for I need the, it out the, of the like f- a
0: kind of a shallower bowl thing, I think. In yeah, that makes it real yeah, sloppy. Put some noodles in there. I'm so upset that didn't work. You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. Find him
1: at that, um you can find him at his nearest uh, Izakaya drinking uh, I assume, the finest uh huntory whiskey. Check him out. Yes. Uh, check our other uh, co host, uh, Cody Narvison at Cody B H and I believe Blue Sky and Twitter these days. Uh unable to join us for this episode, but uh you know, he's with us in in soul and spirit. Did check you do out,
2: that for me in the last episode? I haven't listened
1: to it yet because I haven't seen haven't the movie. You haven't listened to it yet, have you? Uh, no, check I Check out haven't. The, the, the Trilon's programming, including the movie we're about to cover. I believe this was just as part of other programming. Um, you can check out uh, everything that's playing there at Trilon.org. Really can't say much more about this movie until Aaron gives his uh, patented Aaron Grossman summary, introduced by my friend Aaron Grossman.
0: Yes, indeed, folks. We're talking about Tampopo, 1985 film directed by Juzo Itami. Uh, The film follows the delightful, charming owner of a failing ramen shop, Uh, her name is Tampopo, uh, as she struggles to run the business after the death of her husband. A pair of truck drivers, Goro and Gunn, stop into the restaurant one day and are persuaded by Tampopo to kind of help her, uh, you know, kind of help turn her failing business around, kind of mostly due to Goro's, I would say, weirdly intricate understanding of the, the pleasure, the delight of eating ramen noodles. Uh, interspersed in the story of the ramen shop are kind of several, uh, smaller vignettes concerning the nature of food and its place, uh, kind of within and around human relationships. Uh, Tempopo is played by, uh, Nobuko, uh, Miyamoto. Goro is played by Tsutomu, uh, Yamazaki and is played by Ken Watanabe. There you go. Uh, there's my my biggest, my we'll longest we'll yeah boy to.
1: ever. Ken Watanabe. I always forget he's in this movie.
0: Didn't recognize him he's
2: just he's really, real young no young. i
1: i I agree he is young, but man, is he um smoking oh my yeah. god, <laughs> it's really something
0: that's all I got that's a, look this this here, here's what i'll I guess I'll try and set up some sort of uh, uh discussion yeah. out of the intro. I've heard people talk about this movie for years. I don't know what it is with like uh uh. Well, probably a lot of weebs, but also just like a lot of th- this film, like fulfills a lot of different kind of uh, uh, things that people look for in films mm-hmm. that are maybe a little more popular than you might expect. This was not like wasn't nominated for like best foreign film. Right. Uh, it wasn't like some, you know, international multi million dollar hit. I think it did, you know. Go around internationally a bit more than what you would expect for from even like a you know critically acclaimed uh, Japanese mm-hmm.
2: film. Um, also, you have to remember movie, that this was 1985, where like unless you were yeah. uh, Akira Kurosawa, like you weren't getting a whole lot of attention in by Western audiences.
0: Yeah, I mean there was, you know, there was kind of the the traditional, you know, international international film fans. There was still, you know, a uh, kind of big cinemas and whatnot that would do some of that kind of stuff. There was, of course, award circuits and whatnot. But yeah, that you know, that this movie, uh, however, I would say I, I think maybe is is kind of larger than you might expect in a weird way. I mean it got a lot of oh, totally. uh, yeah. you know at least reviews from from English language uh, critics, not that that's indicative of anything. Um, but also just me personally, my own personal experience, I've heard people talking about this movie for like 10 years now and I had not seen it. Uh, and so This, this is was, your, wait,
2: this is your first well, time seeing it?
0: I had never seen this movie. Yeah. Fantastic.
2: What did yeah. you think, Aaron?
0: Oh, uh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I think this is a, uh, like a kind of excellent, uh, movie about food. Like, well, I think this is, you know, one of the movies that really nail like the role of food in like life, which is kind of a, a very easy thing to say. But I think that, that it's a, a subject that movies probably for a few reasons that I'm coming up with, I'm saying this, like, typically like doesn't doesn't touch upon right um i can't think of that many movies that really aim to like express this sort of thing i think this film does it something like chef something like ratatouille um, i'm so
2: glad you brought up ratatouille <laughs> thank you i mean Ratatouille's a good not one, here. right it's a great example right. it's a That's great example
0: um but you know look uh you know food is primarily uh uh an experience that you know it has a large visual component that is, I think, maybe kind of underrated when people talk about food. But I think like even more than that, you know, there's obviously the taste. There's the smell, which is arguably almost as important as as even the taste. And those are things that are not really expressed uh, very well through film. And I think that that this film, um, you know, there there are moments when characters describe like the the depth of a broth and stuff like that. But I think this film like largely gets at uh, portraying. Um, food by kind of examining everything around the food itself, right? The preparation of the food, uh, the environment that the food is served in, the people that you eat food with, um, the sort of the, societal the kind of constructions.
2: Effort. That surround yes. it,
0: yeah. Uh, you know how you 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 uh, have sex by by placing a jar full of, of like sea you know uh, uh, sea creatures uh, on someone's belly and allowing them to like squirm around. It's the only way giggles. to have sex. We've all done that, right? You know, like this this is a movie about things that anybody can relate to uh, on that level. So uh, you know, I think it, I think it it really mm-hmm. works in a way that's kind of kind of special. Uh, I would say.
1: So I was uh, actually doing that um, last week, and th- I thought about this movie. So it was really you were putting weird. a, a shrimp on somebody's belly while you were having sex everywhere. And- well, you put I, I I don't remember what I used, but I think he uses some form of sauce to get them to act that. Uh, I felt bad for those little guys. Um, were um, they what, what were I they mean, getting I,
0: cooked or something? There's some, I, some I don't know. kind of there's some kind of
2: makes... gratuitous
1: animal violence in you this know, oh, movie. Maybe wait, wait, maybe wait, wait, the
2: wait. one flaw I, guys, in this movie
1: it was the Panera charged lemonade. That's what they put on the shrimps. Top, very topical, Jason. Nice.
0: Play the topical uh, <laughs> trending Twitter <laughs> moment music. Um, um, I think that uh, I will say that for the, there is some uh, animal violence in this, but I will say the as opposed what was the last movie as opposed to um,
1: the Holy Mountain,
0: the Holy <laughs> Mountain oh, and also yeah. <laughs> Explode
2: Frogs. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you were going to say Pitfall or some shit. The Tejigahara yeah. movie from like <laughs> oh. three years
0: ago. Although, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it does, it does show them eating the turtle and it's like, you know what? Yeah. Uh, I think it's fine to point that stuff out, but also it's, it uh, kind of make, makes turtle. sense in
2: the context of that. Kill turtles, movie. It? There's, yeah. there's,
1: there's a lot that I want to dig into there. Um, I think exactly what you're saying, even the animal violence, I generally, me, not the biggest fan, uh, I'll go on record as saying not a fan of animal violence, but in this movie, totally. <laughs> <sustainable>. <laughs> That's brave. brave. Um, thank you, thank, Jason, you. thank I, you. I like to put plant my flag, uh, only in places that I can defend, um, but I do want to ask, like, just as a fun starting point, what is the dish you want to eat from this movie? Like, more than any, because like, it's, there's a lot of great, well prepared ramen. There's uh, all the food that, like, the amu rice, honestly, that the hobos make. There's just Dude. so many cultural touchstones for how fucking good this food looks. For me, it's, and I don't know that it is bulgogi, but it's like a preparation of beef or pork on the um, lettuce wraps. That it's just so fucking delicious. I've made it in real life, but I cannot imagine the taste as good as whatever they're doing in this movie. Uh, What what's like the thing you want to taste from temple? I mean,
2: that's a good example because I I honestly think that
1: I've had really good Korean barbecue a couple times in my
2: life. You were there for one of them, Jason, and um, when I have it, I am like even in the moment, I'm like, oh, this is the apex of human cuisine like there's not been nobody has beaten this nobody's figured out a better way to prepare food than Peak. this yeah um so yeah i will say though um surprisingly because i'm a big omu rice fan i guess as a um dyed in the wool weeb, i've been making it for myself for many years uh and just the way that that hobo prepares it the way that he strikes the pan so that the uh, mm-hmm. omelet doesn't stick to the pan so it it cooks just perfectly wow like i was not i didn't i've seen this movie many a time i guess but um i was expecting to to have cravings for ramen which obviously i i do and i'm going to get ramen immediately after this podcast as i always do after watching this movie but that was maybe the biggest craving point unexpectedly for me is just watching him prepare that super simple omu rice. And then when the guard comes in and he's sniffing the air to try to figure out what just happened, and even he is sort of like clearly pretty like beside himself with how good that fried rice smells. It's like, Oh man, I could eat so much of that right now. It sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a hard question, Jason. Because there's so much good food in this movie. There's the ramen. There's the omurice. There's like the the not quite ramen, but the you know the kind of cooked uh, uh, greens and 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 meat that's that's served. Yeah, that's one what of the special dishes about. It's in kind the restaurant. Like a goji
1: preparation. There's, yeah,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there's shots of of like dim sum and just all sorts of good stuff. I would have to say, I think the Italian spaghetti is probably the thing uh, from this movie that I would. Uh, Really, just number one, Fuck dish, off. fucking Getty <laughs> Olive on goal. Um, I gotta say, the hot buttered noodles
1: with cheese—that just something about yeah. it, man. Some, the there's one guy genesis. eating a Big
0: Mac in the background. I think that's the one. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, no disrespect to the Italians, of course, but uh, yeah, probably. I don't know the ramen man. I don't. I, hey, I, Ron, I, here's the thing: I did watch this movie and immediately go get ramen. Yeah, yeah I was like, were, yeah. No, I, I mean, just, it must it be said, sense. right?
2: In terms of yeah. Europe. Italy's pretty much got that food situation on lock. I mean, ooh, what, I don't know
0: about that. The French, ooh, the French no, have no, some you, pretty good mm. stuff, but it's
2: Italy. I mean, come on. I like French ah, cuisine
1: quite a bit, but we got we got a
0: movie to talk about. I mean, this all is, right, that's ooh, fair. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that would
1: be a long this conversation. Is, I'll I'll that's you fair. You for forgetting the Greeks, <laughs> it would. Um, but I like. Yeah. I think that is a good way really to start about uh, talking third about third place ain't because, bad. Because because there is like. Aaron, I know Harry, uh, I assume he and I have similar feelings about the structure of this movie, but how did you, I know the first time I watched this movie, I was just sort of taken by the the glee, the joy of, it's sort of like A plot, vignette, 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 B plot, vignette, A plot, like the structure of it moves in such a way as to like sort of throw you occasionally until you come back and it feels like we've sort of rejoined the A plot that would normally probably takes maybe about 40 minutes to get through the main plot of this movie and the rest is vignettes it's almost reduced to sketches tied together by food in a really like blissful way um but i want to know how that felt to you did, did you feel like you could uh string that together and that it like still formed a cohesive whole or did you just find a certain serendipity in the uh piecemealness of it
0: um i re- i really dug the little vin- vignettes as i called them I, yeah they're vignettes little little interspersed little kind of short you know things uh I, I dug those quite a bit i, I think that um you know I, I guess maybe tempopo could have just been like a i don't know hour and a half long movie that that doesn't have any of that or right you know it's i think it's currently a 2 hour movie i guess you there could be a you know tempopo only cut
2: right that that
0: oh that would just, be a <laughs> just- Right. Sounds pretty right? It would be a right? travesty.
2: Travesty, right? I, I mean, mean there's so much great stuff in yeah. those scenes, right? Like not even a, just the gangster, which is maybe the best part, right? But also the like gangster's the, pretty good. The, the woman who makes her final meal for her family. Yeah, and I always sob like a good. fucking baby during that scene. Like, holy shit is that affecting. Um just you know, I mean I think I don't think a single one of the vignettes doesn't hit right the,
0: the young woman's club where the 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 white guy is just slurping up the spaghetti it's, it's is, funny. is maybe it's, my favorite it's very, funny. A very good yeah, it's very funny <laughs> um yeah i don't know i mean the, the, this movie like does speak to like i mean i kind of mentioned earlier but like f- food as like a cultural force right uh and, and it is not a common thing for movies to do and so i think that like those vignettes kind of add a Uh, a certain something to this movie that I think would have otherwise been missing. Um, Ebert, in his review, kind of compared it in the first paragraph to a Jacques Tati film. I think that's like, I think kind of Fitting in a way that Tati looked at, you know, like architecture or like, you know, modern uh, uh, business and the economy and whatnot. Right. And that like all these other like little small vignettes, like add just these little, they're kind of round out the overall picture of like Mm -hmm. what this film is doing with its A plot. Like the B B plots kind of like feed into the A plot in this really interesting way. Um, And also allows that allows certain, I think, emotions and, and feelings that you might not have in that A plot. You know, that A plot is, is you know, it's kind of cutesy. It's kind of fun. There's never too many stakes uh, for the most part, right? Um, I think that, like, the B plot stuff, um, it it allows there to be other emotions to provide other perspectives about the subject matter. And I think, like, I kept thinking of, like, Holy Motors. If you have seen that film? Like, it's it's a movie. It's, like, it kind of does something akin to that. That's an awesome comparison. Just having those vignettes allows you to just, like, get weird with it. Like, the scene, you know, where the the guy in the suit gets shot and dies is, like, totally just out of another movie. Like, it doesn't fit in here, right? But it's, like, because it's that B-plot, you can... Kind of two things. Because it's like this B-plot, you can, like, get those emotions, the woman crying as she holds her her lover and he's bleeding out. You can, like, get that. But you can also, like, view it in kind of a detached manner where you're not really bought in to where, like, it is still kind of funny. Even the woman who prepares the last meal yeah her family is kind of funny in a way, right Right Just because uh, of the context like a- the
2: juxtaposition in what you're seeing or like in the, yes. the scene that you just described like the the bigness of the music, right where it's like fucking Casablanca on steroids or something like the music that they're piping in during that ser- uh, scene is so like over the top and it like makes perfect sense in the context of the scene and, and really enhances the whole thing. but there is something kind of absurd about it. Um, I think that's a that's a good example. Um I'm really glad you brought up, I guess uh, the vignettes that I think this movie is doing something really special that's kind of hard to describe, but like I think that like the the vignettes, it's not necessarily a universality of the experience that it's communicating, but it does such a good job of communicating the larger theme of the movie across sort of like all dimensions of human experience. And it's such a perfect subject matter for um, uh, Juzo Itami because like he can, he can bring out the right qualities, right? Where, like you said, um, Aaron, there is no part of this movie that is not hilarious. There is no part of this movie that is not absurd in the sort of um like way of a Jacques Tati movie or something along those lines. And it works so well about what he's communicating about not only food, but also sex and emotion and uh, what it means to like to be a person with a goal and with um a life that they want to live in a certain way. Um, and just sort of like what it means to be human. I think that that food is such a like strangely unassuming, perfect encapsulation of what he's saying here because what i keep thinking about whenever i see this movie is how unnecessary so much of the human experience is right like how the the essential quality of food like the essential quality of sex right it's to like obtain nutrients it's to reproduce it's to do all of these things but like that's clearly not what is happening here right like people care about their food so far beyond the nutrients it provides where they sculpt their entire lives around it. It becomes a metaphor for their own sense of self-actualization for their own sense of striving toward the perfection of themselves, their perfection of, uh, who they are allowed to be. And sex operates the same way in this movie. And it gets to like such a great, um, thesis statement in this movie about how like so much about being a person is about not necessarily projecting that meaning onto things, but just exalting in the additional meaning that they provide, right? The additional meaning that food can provide if you allow it to, that sex can, that that relationships can, that just being alive, I don't know, this movie makes me so happy to be alive in that way if that makes sense. And it, it feels like it communicates that so well through through that absurdity, right? To the point where that like it can it can communicate how silly it is to be a person at so many different stages of life, right? Like including death itself, including having sex, including um, trying to just get by, trying to make a living. Um, but it, it does that without sort of disparaging the absurdity of those things. Um, in fact, it actually sort of exalts in that. Right, it exalts in how um, the the sort of extra um, meaning that we associate with the basic qualities of life, like having a career, like um, making food or having sex. Uh, that's what it means to be human in a way, and um, I really love where this movie goes with that. In the way that it like it it imbues all of these. Um, Efforts that we do to bring meaning to our lives with so much um, beauty, and I and it makes me really emotional. I, I this is a really emotional movie for me, I guess.
1: I, I'm so glad you went there with it because it to me is like the the vignettes say so much more than the a plot could say. Like the movie wants to say, or Itami as writer director wanted to say so much more. Wanted a, like a more cohesive statement about you know human experience and. About uh, like the interconnections of food and desire in you know like defining oneself that the a plot could not possibly like you know the um
2: uh, the uh, right it would like it would be good but it wouldn't be
1: what it is right Right, exactly like that that drifter blows into town helps somebody set up their business and achieve their goals would not be able to do that it would have rings of that it would like it would echo with that theme but it would not like fully flesh it out like Aaron was saying it's like more well rounded for it but I think like each new vignette we get, and I'm defining vignette as any time that we leave the main characters to like somehow uh, fart around with with somebody else who doesn't come back into the movie later on, um, or even like in cases of characters who do become central to the plot, but whose importance we don't really understand to begin with. I think that's the sneaky way that it gets you formally, but uh, like it is at its heart a movie about obviously indulgence and like harry you were saying it's not it's positions food as more than just nutrients and survival it positions food as uh like this you know an indulgence that says more about you when you in uh, partake of it than like the way that you present to the world i'm thinking about like the little contradictions that occur in each of these vignettes like the um, kind of old looking lady who just goes around being a little shithead destroying food like the, the, there's a dissonance there there's a conflict between like how what our assumptions are about that person who she is to the world and what she actually is which is a little shit lord <laughs> poking holes in peaches that might be my favorite An movie, yeah, honestly yeah um, that guy goes
0: like yeah. full like metal gear solid three like sniper <laughs> boss it's battle. so fucking, he's like, fucking he's good like, dude he's, like, uh, across the floor that, that was uh by it's the great. way like it's bit.
2: it's so fun to talk about this movie with people because everybody has their own favorite vignette Mm -hmm. like i i was texting kelly about this movie before i watched and she was like oh man i love that scene where the old lady is just causing havoc in that grocery store and i was like i don't even remember that scene (laughs) right and then i got to it and i was like oh yeah that is a really great scene but like i didn't remember it because like i have three or four other favorite moments in this movie right like when the fucking when the hobos sing to their um mentor mm-hmm. and like all of a sudden this thing that was like so funny becomes like so affecting and like that that scene always makes me cry too um it's, it's so good and you, like, just like there are so many moments like that like a dozen of them that i could just rattle
1: off right like in putting together my notes just before we started recording i was thinking off the top of my head of like stories in this movie that do like get at that tone that i'm talking about that sort of like indulgence as a means of self-expression as a means of self-identification like there's the old lady there's the decorated old man the the rich guy who just wants to pig out and you know does it behind his wife's back kind of thing Um uh, there's the, like the main character goro is a drifter who like can't sit still they have that really impactful like thief scene <laughs> where he describes like how he can't sit he i think the phrase he uses like um he can't oh he doesn't know how to act in a happy home is the way that he chooses to phrase that but like <laughs> he does find brutal
2: line by the way really, really
1: hard Uh, but he does like find that in tampopo to an extent like to be with her like he clearly has a joy about it he's a really fun character we can talk about uh, in a short while um but like it uses food as a fulcrum there because like harry's saying it's a universal thing like obviously essential to human uh, existence and reproduction um but uh like to the the degree to which it is a pleasure to the degree to which it helps define who you are and like it goes beyond base need is, is a movable thing. Like you have the American guy, um, you slurping away at buttered noodles in the restaurant, but there's a group of people who are trying to like better themselves in the eyes of society to like, you know, those uh, manners classes that are going on in the other room, uh, are like, they're using the same tools in completely different ways, food and, and eating food with these tools in completely different ways to like, one wants to become part of high society. The other's just there to like nosh. Right. Um, those diversions themselves the thing that i was realizing while putting together these notes and it's not a it's just a my my just my patented bring big brain take is like the diversions themselves are if you're looking at them in the context of the movie a little bit of an indulgence in themselves because they are not really like telling us more about the main characters Ooh. they're not getting the, i know right they're not getting there anywhere with like the a plot they're just rounding out like like aaron said to go back to his phrasing rounding out that larger theme of like we're going we're using a very universal thing universally understood food uh, universally uh, beloved, but like not always treated the same. And the way that you treat it, the way that you treat, like the way that, uh, you, that you indulge in different things, uh, food, sex, uh, the differences between like, you know, the, the sort of gender dynamics that, that play into this movie as well. The way that those things are leveraged, the way that characters leverage them says a lot more about them than, uh, you know, what like the, the may, what they actually do in the movie, the purposes for the movie. I don't know. It's, it's a really like interesting, I think it probably only hit that level of, I, I think I understand this movie, maybe my second or third time through, but there's a lot to be said for the fact that it's just very fun on the face of it, uh, that it gets me, that it hooks me, that it like ha- gives me a lot of fun things to watch, and cute, and like really uh, compelling stuff, and also, it's got this sort of shit, like, uh, if you dig far enough, you've got more to see under there. <laughs> I really love where you took
2: that, Jason, because my own sort of big brain theory, i which, by the way, great big big brain theory, I, I think like the formalism reflect, reflects the theme super well uh, in that way. Um, my own sort of big brain take is that I love the way that this movie does not wash out either the sort of transcendental beauty of the indulgence or the fact that it's indulgent and silly. I love that this movie allows both of those things to coexist the way they do, right? Like in that very first scene when the mentor is describing how he approaches eating ramen, it's ridiculous, right? It's like, oh, first you have to tap the beef just so you have to apologize the beef to the beef for what you're about to do to it. You have to sniff the noodles just right. It's like that's that's a ridiculous thing to do. It's a it's a fetishistic thing. Uh, similarly, the big sex scene in this movie ridiculous right like hilarious the what they're doing like it's so over the top that doesn't wash out how beautiful it is nor does the fact that it's beautiful wash out how silly and absurd it is and there's something about that that gets to the core of the human experience in a way that really speaks to me about this movie right and like i think the reason why food is such a good um metaphor for that experience that this movie is trying to tell is that food itself works often in the same way right like it's like food is often this beautiful thing it's lovingly prepared it's metaphorically prepared right like tampopo has this beautiful um speech about how like the reason why she is working so hard is because uh goro helped her find her ladder and now she wants to climb that ladder as, as far as she can go. And it's like very clearly about like, oh, I want to be the best I can be at what I want to do. And for me, that's making ramen. Um, and that is so true of so much food, right? Like there's that fantastic scene where the young guy orders the food like an expert at the fancy restaurant. And he makes all of his old coworkers um, so upset with him. Um, but at the same time, like food is a disgusting mechanical process in the end. Right. Like we nosh it down. We reduce it to a slurry in our mouths and then we swallow it and it runs through our bodies. Our stomach acid produces nutrients out of it and then we shit it out. Right. (laughs) So, like, I, I think food is sort of the perfect metaphor for the fact that, like, the human experience is so beautiful and also, so disgusting and so silly and so mechanical, right? And You're like, giving
1: me big, uh, Barton Fink vibes,
2: <laughs> right? And like, I think that's also why, like, the sex works so well in here, right? Because, like, sex is operating in this movie on a similar level where it's like sex means so much to the human experience and it's also so kind of weird and gross and mechanical. And what it is actually about in a biological sense is so separate from what we want from it or what we take away from it. And what do those differences mean? Right. And what does it mean that both of those things coexist for what it means to be a person, right? That this, this person, this, this beautiful woman, Tampopo, who is so pure and has this like really like wonderful, um, ambition that makes all of the men in this movie really gravitate toward her and want to, um, idealize that for her what does it mean that like that also is about stealing recipes and making this silly food and um producing this product that can be consumed right and like why is it that that both of those things coexist and, and, coexist without reducing one another, I think is like the big idea that this movie is getting at. And I think it gets at it in such a strong way, right? Like, I mean, even the, the very ending, right? Which is like maybe even a little on the nose, but it's just a woman breastfeeding a baby. Mm. Right. And like, it really brings to the fore all of the same metaphorical associations that I'm bringing up, right? Where it's like breastfeeding thing. It's such a strange thing in so many ways. It also has so many cultural societal signifiers and it means so much to us sort of symbolically and in a literary sense and in a cinematic sense and like what does it mean that it's all of those things all at once and like what does that mean about who we are as people right like i think it really gets to a profound place with that and like you uh mentioned jason it does that without sacrificing any of the Com- comedy inherent in how ridiculous all of what it's depicting is, right? Like I, th- I think that it can do all of that all at once, just, just the same way that the human experience often does that all at once, which is, um, which is something I think um, Juzo Itami really excels at. Um, I think his, another one of his movies, The Funeral does that really well, but in like a really different way. And so like, I think this is just like a masterpiece at depicting how he sort of sees um, the human experience in that way.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great place to pivot to talking about the uh, B plot with the gangster and the, uh, and and his lover. Um, They show up at the very beginning of the movie. They're kind of framing it for us as movie within movie, maybe, but uh, like they do pop in and out. We, we follow their indiscretions, their, their sex, their, their lives, um, their tragedy at the end. Uh, Like, what I'm, uh, what I'm like compelled by in that thing is that, um, it like, and your your talking point about how it's both a like food and human existence at large are both a beautiful and disgusting like thing to consider, uh, depending on where you point your lens, um, and I think that vignette. And I call it a vignette, but it's really more like the other story that this movie uh, plays Almost with.
2: Almost a frame story, right? Yeah. Like it, yeah. it kind of opens and closes the movie and then we
1: return to it every now and then. Exactly. And I think that's part of what makes it, Aaron, maybe I, I want to know if you agree with this as somebody who just got off seeing it fresh for the first time. Um, sort of like for me is the best intersection, like if these uh, vignettes are like rounding out and showing different, plotting different points on this maybe matrix of like how beautiful the world can be, how beautiful life and existence and food can be. And, you know, also there's a very like somewhat yucky undercurrent uh, of reality underneath of it. Um, like the, the, the uh, gangster and his lover are sort of like the best intersection on that matrix for me, where like there's equal parts, beauty and tragedy and like the lust for life. And also like some uncomfortable, weird, I mean, I, I say weird uh, kinky and like deviant shit going on uh, in their relationship um there's a strange scene that we get with uh the with the guy uh like interacting strangely with a young girl catching uh, or pulling seashells from the shore and pulling out their innards and and feeding them Oh, to did shit. you
2: not think that that was her? I always assumed that that was her and that he doesn't was the origin like he's aged story
1: enough but maybe sure maybe. In any case, a little uncomfortable. I thought, yeah, I thought that was just him, but not okay. Yeah, I thought it was completely separate, just because he's wearing the exact, exact same clothing and he looks the same. But yeah, I guess it's maybe not that big an age gap between. Excuse me, a bigger time gap between that scene and then when we see them later. But in any case, um, how did you feel about that's the the that sort of plot, the gangster plot running alongside this a plot and with like diversions into our various vignettes, Aaron.
0: Um, well, I think it, it, it. One of the main functions is, I think, to attach kind of the the general themes to the 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 idea of cinema, right? Like they they, if I remember correctly, they they do open the film, right? It's not the they open the film and then it cuts to the, the guy yep. reading the book. And yeah, the, you're in the yeah, theater. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's. I mean, one that's kind of like a nice, not maybe exact book ending uh, on both ends, right? But I think it's like a, a pretty rough one that I think is is pretty interesting um you know i think that like even tying the idea of like food to somebody chewing too loudly uh while watching a movie is like kind of a, a humorous thing right
2: it it really um, highlights the mechanical nature of food right like from the very yes. beginning in this movie you're thinking about like oh yeah like food means chewing and slurping and swallowing it means being self-aware and being kind it, of it, yeah yes
0: it means being being potentially taken out of this experience that is supposed to be entirely engrossing right um it means right, hearing other people eating means it's understanding a disruption. other people yeah. right it's it is a, an interruption uh, you know indicating the presence of others that maybe you didn't know about before as in the the restaurant scene where the the young ladies are all learning how to eat a uh, foreign food right um, so I think there's something interesting there. I think like the you know there's something I think pretty basic and maybe not like totally profound about like the you know into your life you see a short film speech I think that's kind of it's nice, you know it's like a nice thing I think it ties in with being at the end of the film um i, I don't think it's like profound necessarily uh, uh i li- i like that those sequences, but they're not my favorite of the vignettes i like Some of the less connected ones, I think, a bit more.
1: I'm Um, getting this vibe from you is that you like when movies do just like kind of a silly zigzag uh, occasionally. It it makes
0: me honestly, you're you're yes, it it feels like the the vignettes are kind of a cheat code to the point where like, I don't know why more movies don't do that sort of thing like that. That seems like a really good way to make a seven out of ten you know little indie comedy a nine out of ten a slightly longer yeah. indie comedy and i <laughs> you know what i mean that's a like, really good yeah, yeah. point
2: <laughs> yeah. i mean like you, like you said us, i don't know well be it because about you. sometimes it can backfire if yeah. you're not really good at it you get something where like sullivan well, yes. vignettes suck ass and then it like yes. makes a seven out of ten movie like a four out of ten movie or something you can't have that you have to be good at it i guess um, I yeah, really just be like Jacques Tati,
0: you know, yeah. or That <laughs> I, was the only, yeah,
2: I would simply ABT. make playtime by Jacques. Construct,
0: Tati. <laughs> construct a giant. Yeah. Like, you know, warehouse playground for you right. to shoot all these weirdly geometrical, uh, uh shots. And yeah, just, just um, go do that.
2: I do really like the, the whole sort of like frame story of life is a movie that you watch one more time when you're dying as a um, sort of corollary to the main theme of this. I really love that the the gangster, despite having sort of regrets or not even regrets, but things that he wished he would have done. Right. He has that fantastic fucking speech about um, wild boar and creating uh, yam filled sausages out of their intestines because you um, hunt them and kill them so fast. Really unbelievably good bit of writing right there at the end of the movie but also like i think he's he's so satisfied with his life and I, I think that this is this is the movie giving us a sort of like um a nudge toward how we can live fulfilled lives not to be sort of like i'm not putting too much ambition on this movie right but it's like here, here's a guy who sort of like lived his life exactly according to like his own self-actualization, right? Like he did exactly what he wanted to do and it didn't matter to him how silly it was or how, um, or what other people would have thought of it. Right. And it didn't even matter to him, uh how the consequences of his actions and what they led to right like here's a guy who gets shot 20 times and then he's laying dying uh at a relatively young age in a playground with his lover uh crying over him and he's like now be quiet honey i'm like reliving my life in my head right now um just like i always wanted to What's quick side up? note him
0: him getting shot and then the the way that he The way he gets shot, and then he has to like dodge through many layers of like like handbars, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's
1: so funny, dude. A little little bit, also the the
2: fact that like his dumb white see through suit is so soaked by the rain that you can fully see his asshole through, like his his (laughs) pants. (laughs) Just like insult injury, yeah, it's very good. Um, but but like legitimately, I think that's kind of like a perfect corollary to the movie's theme, right? Which is just this idea that, like, this guy who, from the outside, had had kind of a uh, tragic life, right? Like, was trying to live his way and was cut down in his prime. Like, to him, like, he lived exactly the way he wanted to live, and he can't wait to watch the movie at the end of his life, right? It's like, this is perfect for him. In fact, like, maybe getting shot that many times and having to do that ridiculous, like, pratfall over the playground equipment, maybe that's exactly where he wanted to be at the end
0: also if, if i get killed if i get shot to death many times and get killed please do not And if you are doing it please do not do it when i'm wearing a tan suit in the rain and my just dick and balls are just fucking shit just tough. my underwear my little it is kind of are just insult showing, to yeah just
2: showing No good
1: i mean we're all laid low like the I that's
0: mean,
1: right you know, that's
2: all, the all, point right all all we, like, all all we it's like it's coming can,
1: yeah all we can hope for is a quick death like the boar pull my guts out before i know that i'm dead um, and eat
2: them please if i die uh please
1: eat my guts there's like we, we jest here a little bit but like the uh, without like the deepest deepest critical thought there's just like a ton of the rules for living type stuff to this movie that i just love in a lot of movies. like when you put it give it to me on a silver platter no pun intended it really rings very true to me like not that i can take a whole lot of these direct lessons and apply them to my everyday life but just the the mood that it puts me in the like uh, desires that I have after watching it. We've all talked about wanting to have ramen or literally have ramen, having ramen right after this movie finishes, like the whole observe the entire bowl thing. Sometimes it's played for like a, an obvious joke where he's like uh, eventually Ken Watanabe starts or sorry, gun starts like uh, interpreting too far into how the old man is treating his ramen. And he's like flicking it off. And he's like, why did you, why did you flick it off three times? And the old man's like, it was just too hot to eat. There's no joke there, but um And then the scene ends. And it was just like, sometimes it's, it's beautiful in that way. Sometimes it's beautiful in like a, I'll take this home kind of way, take it down in my notes, but it just like, it does that fun thing where it makes the mundane seem taboo. And then you consider how much like you have incorporated into like you, how much, what you uh, do in your daily life that uh, maybe defines you, that is not according to like what you, uh, like the way that you present to society, what sort of things you keep to your private uh, or, or like how how you build a vision of yourself uh, that is not seen by the world. Um, like it just is very consistent in that Harry, you mentioned earlier how it does not uh, you were sort of springboarding from a point uh, that we made it earlier, but how it doesn't like mine in my notes, I have that it's just it's sweet and silly, but it doesn't make any of it feel minor. It makes it all feel like consistently and, and intentional Uh, It's not about. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's no undercutting of its own jokes. You know, like when it commits to having a fight scene between the two leads that you know is just like two old men fighting under an overpass in suburban Tokyo, like they're really going to commit to that. They're going to go through with what it means. And then at the end, they're going to sincerely like, Okay, we well, settled And, and differences they're also like going to make
2: fun of it, right? Exactly.
1: There's going to be a
2: great shot where they zoom way out so you can see the entire overpass and you understand just how absurd it looks for these two men to be swinging and beating the yeah. shit out of each other under an overpass, right? And it's perfect. But it's
1: like in, in a weirdly tasteful way where it's not like, uh, you know, you see a, a reaction. I guess I have a tendency to look at movies uh, that I like through the lens of movies that I don't like where I'm like, in another movie, da-da-da, but in another movie, we would get a shot of from inside the ramen shop where Tenpo was like, "Those men," or whatever. And I just think I'm so glad that move that doesn't happen in this movie, where they take like the thing, even if they're treating it goofily, they treat it like seriously. The audience, the audience is going to get it. They're going to understand that this is a, a like a goofy event. It's like we, we want them to take it part and parcel with all of the serious stuff. We need to present it as seriously as everything else that we're trying to portray genuinely. Uh, but it's just going to be silly for a moment, you know. I, it just it it has that certain faith in the audience, uh, and uh, like to dispense uh, or sorry to disperse these uh, ideas of like you know certain lessons for living and um you know the broader uh, metaphorical and psychological ideas that we're banding about here. That it measures those in like a decent proportion is kind of a miracle in a movie like this. Like it's under two hours. Uh, it balances balances those out with uh, vignettes and with really great performances from literally everybody. I think in this movie, I can't think of somebody. who... Uh, probably the most convincing is the uh, wine savant guy who orders uh, and like scares everybody else at the table for knowing guy what rocks. he's doing. That's like, a great. Oh so man, so that's such a cool. good scene, dude. That's, that's <laughs> the one. I mean, it helps that I've never seen his face before, but like, or any, or since. But man, he's just so convincing. The fact, the fact that he looks like he's fucking thirteen years old. <laughs> he really does he reminds me of me at like my first meetings at client sites as a marketing copywriter like i must have looked like such a little shithead asshole uh every i mean i didn't do anything smart or class or or refined but just like again your assumptions boom that's not who he is that's it's just again playing to that same theme um that wraps my thoughts but i'll hand off to harry if he's got any final ones
2: Or just, like, by that same token, that like you were saying, where, like, it treats the funny parts seriously. It also treats the funny parts, or the serious parts, as funny, right? Like, it it does this great leveling of all experiences, this equating of experiences that works really well. Um, if you'll forgive me for being a super ultra weeb for a second, um... This movie is, like, is really, like, a Shinto movie to me in a lot of ways. And, like, I love Shintoism. I don't know a ton about it, so forgive me if there's anybody who's, like, actually, Shinto is deeply problematic. I, I'm sure that's probably true, as all religions are. But, it, but in Shintoism, the idea is basically that, like, every object, everything that people um, have sort of, like, a relationship with has a spirit. And by treating that thing respectfully, you're honoring that spirit, right? Like by taking your time to um, improve at your craft or to treat something with the proper care and respect that you uh, want to treat it with, what you're doing, is you're, you're sort of exalting the spirit of that thing. You're demonstrating your Appreciation for it. You're, and in a larger metaphorical sense, you're demonstrating your appreciation of the life that you have and the fact that you're alive and the fact that you get to do these things. Um, this movie really does that for me, right? Like, it suggests that, like, even something as mundane as sort of peasant class as making ramen, which like ramen is a is a very like working class sort of like food, right? It was imported from China shortly after World War II, I think. It's not like a traditional Japanese dish. It's, it's not something that has like a long prestigious history, but like just doing something like that and like doing whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that makes you feel um, good about being alive to like t- to work on it, to like make it something to exalt in it as if it's something worthy of being worshiped worthy of sort of like devoting a life toward is what it means to live a good life um and i i think i respond to that really beautifully right Mm -hmm. like i think this movie is a really beautiful expression of that even if it's silly because all things are silly even if it's absurd because in the end like human beings as like meat Sentient meat sacks that are going to die eventually. Um, Meat, exactly. Um, Like everything we do is is silly and stupid and physical and mechanical. But in spite of that, or maybe even because of that, like treating it as the the beautiful thing that it is is what will make it beautiful and what will imbue it with that with that life force, right? And I think that that's a really beautiful. thing to say and a really beautiful thing to make a movie about, especially a movie about Mm -hmm. food and fucking and everything else.
1: And all the other important things in life. Um, I'm ready to start to get to our final segments. We have short ones today without Cody, um, but I want to leave like any final big thoughts, uh, non-junkie thoughts. Aaron, did anything else cross your mind about this movie first watch?
0: Sure. I think the nods to uh, Westerns is is all quite good in this movie. This movie is, I'm not gonna say basically a western, but it, it definitely borrows like a ton of that. Uh, I think specifically like yeah. Once Upon a Time in the West, yeah, uh, which is a movie about the the construction of this like outpost, like far off in the west, as like the the source of this uh, source of basically the only source of like water for all these people around, and also like this railroad is like a transportation system of of you know for for resources and whatnot Mm -hmm. i think uh i think making that like a ramen shop is quite funny uh i think that like both of the leads uh uh you know uh tampopo and then goro as well i think like do a very good job of kind of fitting those uh maybe somewhat stereotypical but but not necessarily in a bad way characters i think goro is like uh Sufficiently rugged, I think, and just has a face for it. And uh, also, in a way it really works.
2: The movie constantly points out how hilarious it is that he is that person. Yes. Like the fact that he wears a oh, yeah. cowboy hat everywhere is cowboy super hat, funny in this movie. Drives eighteen-wheeler, the, yeah, the ba- of a the, horse. The,
1: you know, where he takes a bath and puts his cowboy hat on, takes it off, washes his hair, puts <laughs> to wash his, cowboy his hair, back and then on puts the it back hat.
2: on. Oh, so it's great. good,
0: it's pretty good. Um, uh, I think uh, uh, Nabuko uh, Miyamoto as uh, Tampopo is like a. Just a, you know, her performance is like a genuinely heartlifting, like wonderful one that, you know, she, she is like the brightest,
1: you know, person in every room she's in. It really situation. is something, isn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen her in uh, I think they're, they're great several Itami movies and she just is always that, my God. She's amazing. So yeah. Um, did you come across the phrase ramen western when you were doing your research for the pegs, Aaron? Because that's one of the phrases. Uh, that's one of the tags I've that's
0: gotten heard. People call it was that. Mm-hmm. Or call it. Call it was the. What am I saying? I've heard of people mm-hmm. call a uh, ramen western, uh, but I the don't, publicity
2: uh, actually that very actually like
0: thing? Mm-hmm.
2: yeah consciously did that. So I don't know if you're if you're doing a bit right now, but like that is a really good call out because like this movie did want very badly to to be considered a western. Mm-hmm. um and that was like a big part of its marketing and everything before it even came out
1: i don't know i quite like that well, i think it leans when to you're, like, when you're
2: when you're
0: breaking the new ground when you're you know the 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 common clay of the new west you know and you need something to eat
2: <laughs> morons you know when you're
0: <laughs> morons you, what do you, where do you go you know you go into uh you, you know you go in, also look ramen ramen is like a food you know just in terms of what it is i think is a pretty fitting one and that it is you know, it is something that you show up to a counter, and it takes three minutes to put together. But behind that three minutes is hours and hours of making the broth and and preparing the meat and pickling the pickles and the the curing the meat, you know, there's all sorts of preparation that is essentially hidden. And in that manner, so it is the kind of this ultimate juxtaposition between this food that is hot, like extremely hot, like to a point, uh, uh, made with very simple ingredients, but nevertheless, contains all of this depth, uh, is, wow. is an interesting one food ramen, you know, ramen, yeah. uh, also just kind of all, a lot of stews and soups and, you know, broth based noodle dishes are some, I think something like chili in the United States is, is somewhat comparable, uh, in a manner, you know, like, uh, a food born of necessity, but, but, you know, kind of fulfilling some other, uh, uh, you know, role. So uh, what Cody would call a
2: high ceiling food. What does that mean? It just means that, you know, ramen can be elevated to any extent imaginable, right? Like, you can have sure, ramen that is like the greatest like, food of all time. But it's also like it yeah. you can just be normal ramen made the normal way and it's delicious. It's always right. like
0: a seven. That's not a high ceiling food.
2: <laughs> you know? Sure.
1: Yeah, I take umbrage okay. with that. You put some tomatoes on that puppy. You make it with mayonnaise That's, instead of butter. No, I it's not a grilled cheese. Guy. Did you nope. see that Reddit? It's thing? I mean, che- I, do you know I? about
0: that Reddit?
1: <laughs> I'm not. There's a, a, a Reddit post. Reddit. You should
0: just Google Reddit grilled cheese and it'll pop up. But there's a there's a there's there a, a famous no Reddit, Reddit post about of words a guy who
1: convinced me to not Google the guy complaining about the grilled, grilled
0: cheese subreddit. Uh, uh, people posting grilled cheeses that he argued were not grilled cheeses because they had stuff on them, thus making them a melt. And him saying, "I have no problem against melts." But the, right. this, these are melts. This is not a grilled cheese. No, he's absolutely cheese. right.
2: Yeah, because because a actually. melt is a higher, yeah. it's a higher ceiling food yes. because you can put more shit on there. <laughs> right. That's if, like the point. if I was
0: like, oh, this is <sighs> a piece of pizza where I I put a smash burger around the piece of pizza that might taste better. Uh, that's a bad, just, that's a bad. That's a bad example
1: because listen, you can put anything on pizza yeah. and it's a pizza. It's a bad example no, because you if you, you're just if you being put an an pizza in
0: between the the if you just got a bun. Smash burger patty, pizza, smash okay, burger patty, lettuce, pickles, uh, mayo, sure. bun, you Sesame know. You, but
2: if you do right. that exact thing, but you just put, you get rid of the bun underneath the pizza slice so that the pizza slice is essentially the the lower bun in that sandwich. Buddy, that's I'm a pizza. I'm willing to hear it. I'm that's a pizza. I'm willing to hear
1: it. I'm willing to hear it. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to exit us toward the uh, one of our final segments of the show. It's called The uh, he, 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 the Junk Drawer. We're opening it up at about 53 minutes into our recording. Uh, and I want to know what you guys uh, had kicking around in your heads for thoughts uh, that didn't fit into the larger discussion. Um, Aaron, any little noties that didn't get brought up on the episode?
0: I think I just did that. I think was that, that is was funny. what I did. The the the, the
1: the 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 listen there's the flaw, a flaw of, of this bit reveals itself here. once again you didn't yes. hear the junk drawer open i'm gonna delete the last six minutes of well, recording. all of your thoughts are junk it. so Ooh, uh, you know <laughs> been a while since i got to break up that buddy that buddy uh harry you understand the assignment uh sure any, uh, any junk drawer thoughts
2: I would just say that, like, filming-wise and cinematography-wise, this is an unbelievably gorgeous movie. I don't know if he did this on purpose. I think it's kind of pretentious to put it this way. But, like, the entire movie has this sort of, like, golden glow to it, almost like a ramen broth. Uh, um, and like boy is it is it just a fucking delight to look at like holy shit could he shoot the hell out of a movie um i can't wait to see this at the Trilon. we're doing it a little early this year um just to not to part the kimono too much so to speak but um we really wanted to do this movie but they're showing it on like the worst time for us to record which is like i think it's like showing from like uh um december 28th to the 31st or something when none of us are going to be available and also we're doing the golden berries so we really wanted to get this one under the wire so we're just fully breaking our own rules but like hey just shows to go you like that's how good this movie is we all knew we had to make an episode about it so mm-hmm. there you go what were your junk drawer thoughts jason uh,
1: i think i kind of got them out near the top i wanted to know what people's uh best like favorite dishes were from this movie that feels like a junk drawer thought you know not something that fits into the larger discussion uh mine i think for as many times as i've seen it i think recently it's got to be the the again I'm, I'm assuming because i've prepared bulgogi this way the bulgogi the uh grilled meats at the table that get put into the lettuce wrap and and chewed on i just really love that shit it's nearly perfect food you eat the container and the container's delicious and it makes the food i can't think of a better way to eat food um that, green I'll food
2: come, is really like just about unbeatable.
1: I mean, honestly, I've it's out there. I've never had a and green had dish that I did not. Pasta alla
0: vongole,
1: which is the a dish that I do like. It, it do you guys good, remember whether or not yeah. that one gets cheese or not?
0: It does. It here's the okay. Here's can I are you it with answering it? A, a la vongole. Here's now. Here's the thing. No, it does not have cheese. Yes, it does not have. But cheese. Uh, that dish, great dish. It's spaghetti with clams. That's great. I love taste clams. Love spaghetti form factor there so far fucking off annoying because you're eating spaghetti and then you have to just like i guess i'm stopping and poking at a client crazy does Hmm. not work with the can't get away with that i don't know why we is it claims read that in the shell yeah what the fuck yeah shell yeah man
2: you gotta open all you know, the clams at once before you start eating. It's a clam and clams mash it are, around like a in big there.
0: Thing full of clams that like with like a broth and like some onions in the broth, and then you get bread is great. But that's just because you're dipping bread and then eating clams. That's not. Yeah. There's not a spaghetti. I mean, you're not spinning noodles. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You can't get the two things together. You gotta open easily. all the
2: clams first, dude, and then you that's make
1: it crazy. like a, well, what am I, I cutting up like like my a fucking slurry. steak would, into
0: bite sized pieces like a four sure. year old? What are you <laughs> talking
1: about? <laughs> Harry is making like a step in the right direction, but eat like shrimp. Uh, pastas, shrimp fettuccine and all that kind of stuff Yeah. also like one of my least favorite ways to eat, eat uh, pasta because like it is so discreet there's no homogenization of the ingredient of the protein into the dish so you are just like I'm going to get can, a bunch you of spaghetti can take that, ha- that
2: happens in your mouth you, can take, you, can take <laughs> so you just got to put it all together in your mouth and notch <laughs> that shit up
0: you just, you just crunch through the shells and no. say Jason like shell crunch oh, and then you know okay. it's fine
1: I'm closing up the, anyway, the because yeah. Um, I'm going to open up. I still don't have a sound for it, but it's called Other Loves We've Tried, and it actually is pretty pretty meaty this time. Would you believe that we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies co- we've covered from 1985 befo- before? I mentioned earlier this year that we must c- like talk sometime about 1985 because we've c- like covered a statistically significant number. We have in reverse chronological order, starting well actually chronological order, starting from their oldest episode, Police Story. After Hours, To Live and Die in L.A. featuring Seth Zarati. Another episode with Seth Zarati. Uh, Day of the Dead as part of Horathon 5 discussion. That was, God, that was like being on drugs. Um, Ron, uh, Smooth Talk, The Return of the Living Dead with special guest Natalie Marlin, The Last Dragon, Taipei Story, and Witness. Fucking 10 movies from 1985 that all also, bang. it's fucking... One clearly best movie. On it's that
2: was. fucking insane that all of those movies came out in the like one year i know is that just like are we like entering a dystopia of like hollywood homogenization that like i don't know i feel like that's such a great variety of movies that are at such like distinctly different points and have such different viewpoints compared to each other that i feel like maybe doesn't happen anymore maybe i'm wrong like right but but i don't know i just feel like the idea that like police story and smooth talk and witness all came out in the same year is fucking nuts to me
1: I'm also like nearly uncomfortable with how stacked that year seems. I shudder to think, like, the next time I watch a movie, it's sucking. And then, oh, it turns out it's from, it's from 1985. My illusions are shattered about 1985. Um, but I'm glad we've covered so goddamned many of them. Uh, looking forward to more from 1985. Hey, what's your favorite movie from 1985, uh, listener? Get at us at Tri at, uh, Try Love Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I don't have a sound effect for that bit, but I do have a sound effect for the next one. Uh, and it sounds a little bit like. Good give me a gif um we want to know what what uh images moving images preferably should go out with this episode when it goes out on twitter Uh, i'll make a gif from whatever file i can download apparently this movies on youtube in free formats a few ways i'll bet it's on the internet archive as well i'll make those gifs you guys tell me what ones to make uh harry you look a little bit more champion in the bit for this one no pun intended sure
2: Uh, i've got three super easy um first one when uh Goro flicks the Naruto onion under that guy's face. It's an yes, all-time yes, classic. Yes. Just kind of lands on his face. It's hilarious. Um, second, when um, the gangster and his paramour are passing the egg yolk between their mouths back and forth, that's a really good one. Don't give me that no. It's beautiful. Aaron, it's beautiful and sexy oh. um and then finally uh near the end of the movie when um all of the dudes in the newly refurbished Tempopo shop are slurping down their ramen all at once signifying that Tempopo has finally perfected her ramen recipe i think all of those would make for really really great
1: gifs i agree two of those are ones that i also agree on uh the naruto being flicked on under on ken's face it's such a funny fucking like Very good editing, very good shooting. Um, And the guys slurping the ramen broth. Those were going to be my two for this movie. Uh, I had not considered because, I don't know, it just makes me kind of squirm. The egg thing just... uh, You guys are cowards. You little cowards
2: don't even pass eggs between your mouths.
1: (laughs) Uh, Aaron, did you have any thoughts about what images should become a gift for this movie?
0: Yeah, I think the five guys at the counter uh, slurping the ramen broth, like tilting it all up. That's
1: three votes. Wow. I think that okay. might have to be it. Uh, yeah. Well, I thank you for your suggestions for Good Grief Give Me a gift. We do not have a final segment, or I guess that was our final segment. Uh, as Cody is not available, you can find him on Twitter at Cody underscore PH. Um, but I implore you to check out Tw- uh, Try Love, uh, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and check us out on Twitter, uh, Try Love Podcast. Check out the Trylon as well. Um, they're pretty cool. You might have heard of them uh, on the internet at Trylon.org, Parasphere.org, where writing is posted about the movies that play there. Uh, and TryLove try ooh, try lawn cinema across all social media you know, it's the best way to find out what's coming and what's going to be happening uh, in your neck of the woods uh, if you're ever in south minneapolis check it out uh, if you're not sorry check out these movies wherever they're available um, i usually leave little links in the show notes if i find them online uh don't tell mr google uh i do want to let you know that you can find me on twitter at nintendoofus
2: Yeah, I've been Harry Mackin. I would like to say that uh, this is one of the very rare episodes where if you listen to this episode uh, in in the extreme off chance you haven't seen this movie or just want to see it again, you actually have some time before it's going to show at the uh, Trilon, probably. It's playing from the uh, December 29th to the 31st, so... Uh, go check it out then. It'll probably sell out, I would imagine, or at least come close, though maybe not with the timing. Um, I'm certainly going to be there, so uh, make sure you go check out this movie if you're interested in it. It's really good. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at PunishedTalking.
0: Uh, my name's Aaron. Uh, find me on Twitter at Arby, please.